Social media has exploded that, forcing us all in together. And all of those individual weirdos from all the villages in the world can now speak to each other and get a false impression that that is a way that you should think. And that is an appropriate or reasonable way to think, when actually it is not. Welcome to Disruptors, and this is the debrief analysis of that Katie Hopkins interview. I'm Rob Ball, host of Disruptors. This is Harry, head producer of Disruptors. And this is Tom, head of innovation. Many people have been asking us to debrief some of our more controversial guests. Why did we choose to interview them? Do we support their views? Some of the things that were said that caused an outrage. What's our take on it? What's our thought process behind having some of these very interesting controversial guests? So we are doing these debrief episodes for you. So Rob, why did you interview Katie Hopkins? Because I think it's important to uncancel cancelled people. Because unless someone performs crimes against humanity... I do not believe that anyone should be cancelled. And she's the female version of Andrew Tate. So this is the second time Katie's been on the show. The first time you did this, you got a lot of heat, a lot of feedback, a lot of reaction, but I didn't feel it this time. Would you agree? No. <laughs> so I didn't get as much hate, maybe because I've already interviewed Katie. Maybe because more people now support her than did before. Um, but yeah, a few people hated me for interviewing Katie. They accused me of associating with a racist. Here's something I'm gonna say. I don't associate myself with anyone. You're Harry, you're Tom, I'm Rob. You're Tom, you're Harry, I'm Rob. Just because I'm talking to Tom doesn't mean all Tom's beliefs and opinions are mine because we're sat next to each other. So what people do, I think, it's really stupid to do this. Oh, well, you're within 100 feet of Katie Hopkins. I disown you because you're clearly a racist because she's a racist. No, I'm Rob Moore. She's Katie Hopkins. So I'm the guy that's prepared to go and talk to people that other people haven't got the bollocks to because they don't want to associate with them. That's the way I see it. Oh, and I don't disclaim, so you don't see us in our videos go, oh, well, the views and opinions of Katie Hopkins are her own. I disclaim myself against any association with them. I don't do that either. Right, so open question to the floor here. What is everyone's initial thoughts of Katie Hopkins before we did this interview? Part? Tom, Tom, you go. <laughs> so, you know, uh, I play a little bit of a devil's advocate sometimes, you know, um, I'm always trying to think of, is someone going to be right for the show? Are they going to adjust people's opinion of us? Are they going to damage the brand that we've built, affect our, our future prospects? And someone like Katie falls into that camp of a person that there are lots of people that don't want to associate with her. They, they feel like you said, well, even being near her, there is like a negative association that will almost rub off on them. And if they speak to her, they're somehow connected to her. Um, you know, so I'm always wary when we do these things because I want to keep growing the channel, getting our message out there, keep our prospects wide. So I'm definitely not a fan by any means of Kate Hopkins. My personal views would be near polar opposite to all of hers. Um, but I think, you know, the the there's a little bit of a myth of cancellation, you know, that somehow sh these people are uh, are cancelled, you know, they're, they're unplatformed like she still gets interviewed and talked about by many people. I, I don't think, my personal opinion is people that 
claim they are cancelled are often some of the most famous people in the planet. Like Andrew Tate's walking around saying he's cancelled when he has more followers than, you know, most world leaders. You know, it's kind of like a bit of a fucking joke, to be honest, when people like Katie Hopkins, Andrew Tate, you know, Nigel Farage, Donald Trump claim they're cancelled when they're in the top 50 most famous people on the planet. It's Can I jump vague. in there? Yeah, Let me jump of course, in there. yeah. They're cancelled from Twitter. They're cancelled from YouTube. They're cancelled from Instagram. They're cancelled from Facebook. And sometimes even the banks and payment merchants shut them down. As long as there are no crimes against humanity, and there is a line, by the way, in free speech, I don't think everyone should be able to say what they want if it is illegal. But facts are these humans have been cancelled from those platforms. Now, here's something I think. The irony is when they get cancelled on those platforms, they often become bigger. And actually, it ends up helping them because people want to interview them more or you can't cancel them off every single channel or other people's channels. On the subject of Andrew Tate, he was smart because he's got thousands of people creating Andrew Tate channels. He doesn't have these. He does not have a TikTok. He only just got unlocked on Twitter. He does not have YouTube. But he has thousands of his followers who have Andrew Tate accounts that publish. So it's only because of his ingenuity and strategy that he is uncancelled. But I do agree with you. These lefty, wokey people and platforms who try and cancel people like they did Joe Rogan, good fucking luck, you only have to make them bigger. Yeah, I mean, we could... We don't want to divert the whole thing into cancellation, of course, but like... I think freedom of speech cancellation can get a bit uh, tied up in one another. Like, no one is stopping Kate Hopkins saying whatever the fuck she wants. Private companies are just saying, I don't want you to say it on my platform. Like, she isn't being prevented from saying anything. A private company that relies on advertisers wanting to be on that platform. Well, they're public companies, but... Yeah, but they're owned, but like, they're a private corporation in the sense that like they have autonomy to do what they want. So um, what you mean is, you can believe what you want, but don't come into my living room in my house and impose those beliefs to me. Well, it's not even that. Like, it's just like, they own a space. Mm. They own that. And, and lots of the people that are more right-wing and believe in freedom of speech, freedom of autonomy, freedom to do what I want, both want companies to be able to do what they want. They're, they're often people that are arguing against regulation, against laws that would restrict what people do but when it doesn't benefit them they're saying oh give me back my profile turn my reach back on oh, i've been shadow banned you know and all of a sudden they're, they're very for corporations being made to do things that benefit them but they're normally the people that are completely against that mm. and i think if you're someone who believes you're uh you know a libertarian or, or traditionally conservative right wing you know capitalist you believe like corporations should have the freedom to do what they want because that gives them the chance to grow and innovate and compete. It's very hard to then turn around and say yes to all of that, but no when it affects me in a way I don't like. And the long and short of it is, is like when you say a lot of the things that are on the extreme end of what people like Katie say, um, guess what? Advertisers don't want to be associated with that content. And these platforms, they are all elaborate ad agencies, every single one of them, Twitter, YouTube, you know, LinkedIn, Facebook, they're not really tech companies, they're ad companies, and they need the big, friendly consumer companies 
to keep funneling them billions and billions of dollars. And Coke don't want its ads next to Katie Hopkins. No way about that. So it's not really the company. It's like, you know, the, the structures we've built. And I think it's very tough when the people that argue for free speech are arguing their free speech is being impinged because a company has freedom to operate how it wants. And their answer is, no, I don't like that. Make it work a way that is beneficial to me. Um, yeah, and I think there is a, a big, uh, not not necessarily irony, but a big conflict there in, in their own beliefs in mm. how those things work. So basically, their platform, their rules. Yeah. There's a, I, I agree with that. There is an argument for that. I also... I also find it really ironic when they go on said platform and bitch about said platform on said platform. <laughs> yeah. But I hear you, Tom, and I, I certainly think that at times. Um, I'm actually not a hater of a lot of these big platforms like a lot of people are. And we are actually quite careful, aren't we? We bring these guests on, but we're quite careful about what we don't publish. And we do try and play by their rules. We have to. Because it's there. It's there. I get that. Yeah. It's YouTube. What right have I got to break YouTube's rules on YouTube? If I want to break YouTube's rules, I can set up MeTube and go and do it on my tube. RobTube. Yeah, RobTube. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Harry? You're not getting out of this. What yeah, do you I'm, think? I'm just the guy in the middle here. No, no, you're not. What do you right. think? I think KT knows exactly what she's doing and she plays the game. She plays the game of controversy. She plays the game of willing to talk about any type of subjects that are going to get monumental heat and traction because she gets monetary gain from it. She's on reality TV shows, she's always in the papers or whatever. Now there are many things I would disagree with. Like what? I wanna know what one specific thing you both disagree with with Katie Hopkins. Uh, maybe her stance on immigration, her stance on uh, overweight people. There's loads of things I personally wouldn't agree. And you actually, you mentioned and called her out on some of the things uh, and obviously there's loads of things she's done in her past. Like, I don't know everything or thing she's done. But what I did find interesting from the conversation is, look, I'm trying to be as neutral here. I'm not trying to bring my personal opinions in. Let's just have a conversation about things. And I did find her uh, conversations about free speech is what well, we started the conversation with very interesting, actually. And there were some things that I picked up and probably did agree with. Mm. Tom, what about you? One thing that you strongly I would say, disagree with? On the whole, her... Uh, punching down at minorities you know as as a um as a person who is privileged in the sense that she has like a media career that she has you know has had significant wealth and has, has lost it she's been been sued and has lost money um that she chooses to use that that power to uh you know punch down at overweight people immigrants minorities maybe trans people and I just don't think that in a, you know, you know, working, you know, maybe even the word moral society, someone that has that should do that because it just doesn't seem right. You know, you should try and lift people up. And if there are problems and challenges you see, you should be like working to solve them instead of going like, cool, you know, I'm, I'm wealthy and powerful. Lots of people listen to me. I'm basically just going to like talk shit about a bunch of other people that have less power and less privilege than me. Uh, I don't think that's a... A good position to be in, in my opinion. You know, I don't think that's a good use of that. Um, and you know, I, I'm not against interviewing these people at all because I think that there is a real, there is a very genuine reason why lots of people are interested in 
the message of Andrew Tate, the message of Katie Hopkins, the message of these people. And a lot of them are, are very disillusioned with the way the world works, with the way the world has uh, treated them or the opportunities they feel they don't have that maybe previous generations or other people do have. And, you know, I am... I, I am left leaning in my politics, but I don't think you can bury your head in the sand and ignore these people. You have to understand what has created this environment where normal people would find her message attractive because there is something very broken about that, in my opinion. Um, but ignoring it doesn't help. And, and spending time talking to her and you know, not finding a middle path, which I think is what we try and do, um, you know, and we get flack for it sometimes with our approach, but we're not sycophantic to guests. You know, you're you're not kind of you know groveling. You're the best, but we're also not mega confrontational to guests. Where Just trying to we're yeah to trying to like way. you know get them to say the most outrageous thing. And I think that middle neutral path can lead to upsetting almost everyone because you know the people that are fans are like, why didn't you agree more? And the people that are opposed to her um, are saying, why did you platform her? But I think that middle path is actually one of the best ways to kind of show in a, a true light what it is she believes, what it is she talks about, and maybe why that is. And I think digging into the, the why is the really important part because there are like real problems that face you know lots and lots of people that are making them feel this way and, and be drawn to people and beliefs that you know, 5, 10, 15 years ago would seem you know, very extreme. All right, Harry, what you got for us on your 1985 phone? <laughs> so you started the conversation with, do we have true freedom of speech? And Katie said, we categorically do not have free speech anymore. What's your take on that? And I'm a bit torn on this because we don't have free speech if platforms that most of us are on that are the vehicles for us to put our message out there have their rules that they don't clearly explain because they don't, when they cancelled Andrew Tate and when, because we've had our content removed from David Icke, Casey Hopkins, Andrew Tate, and they don't give you a valid answer. It's very generic. So it's confusing and to me somewhat wrong that these companies have been allowed monopolistic control by the state. They have the, their rules, which are really fucking unclear. And then we've all, perhaps naively, relied on them to get our message out to people and then we're cancelled or deplatformed when it suits them. I, I think there's something wrong with that. But like Tom said, their playground, their rules. But what are their rules? Um, because TikTok dropped a few of our videos. No, really freaking vague explanation as to why. Not good enough. So, so there's that. Um, the next thing I, I think is, again, agreed with Tom, is that you can't really get cancelled. Because Katie said, this was interesting, and I'd never thought of this, she said she now goes state to state in America, like the old school days, standing on a box, a soapbox, and riling up the people and giving them... So she's gone back to medieval yeah. times of having free speech. Because... She's probably shut down on a lot of the platforms. So you can never fully be cancelled. So therefore, you probably have got more free speech than you think. Because there's always somewhere to go. There's Rumble, there's Getter, there's Rob's Disruptors channel, because we don't really cancel anyone. So it's actually a great big massive paradox. For me, free speech is this. 
Anything that is legal, you should be able to say. Anything that is illegal, you should not be able to say. And that line of legality and illegal. For years, people have been asking me where I buy my watches. Many of you may know I'm a watch collector, I'm a watch investor, and those as an asset class have done me very well in the last 15 years. I have never shared where I source my watches from or my watch dealer until now. My watch dealer used to be a professional footballer for Manchester United, and he formed a watch brand called Broadwalk, and he sources the higher-end brands like Rolex, Audemars Piguet, Patek Philippe and Richard Mille. I trust him, I've used him for many years, and recently we've done a partnership. Hence, I'm inviting you, if you want to start investing in watches and protect your money from the banks and inflation, to check out Broadwalk. That's B-R-O-A-D-W-A-L-K. And the website is broadwalkgroup.com. The email is sales at broadwalkgroup.com. And please don't share this, but his number is 07496 878153. Obviously, only message him if you're serious about buying and investing in the higher-end watches. People have been asking me for years, and for the first time ever, you can get access to my watch team. illegality is very much blurred by big tech mainstream social media and um, that line is somewhat unclear because going from hate speech to abuse that is a very blurred line who makes the line who's in charge of the rules then where is the line what it like well the the nations and the states they make the rules. 80 years ago, the line was different to what the line is now. Yeah. So who make, so if you have free speech, it should be down to everyone to say whatever they want. Even if you adamantly disagree with it, you can use your free speech to say, I disagree. Yeah, there's a difference. Where, where is the line? Well, there's a difference between opinion and abuse. A big difference. And I guess you're asking me where I think the line is and who makes the rules. Well, the state or the nation or the government is supposed to make the rules. And I have seen some rules relax and some rules tighten. For example, rules on trolling have tightened about fucking time because people have committed suicide over being trolled. And now um, there's um, quite a famous YouTuber who's in prison for trolling. Oh, I mentioned the name. You can find it on Google. That They wouldn't be in prison 10 years ago. And I welcome trolls who are fake profiles who systematically abuse other human beings They should be reported, blocked, and if it gets extreme, imprisoned. I I, I think that's... But if I'm just expressing my opinion in an aggressive way, I should not be imprisoned. But the problem with this line, which is the law by the state, by the nation, is big tech social media platforms have a lot of power, and they have monopolies, and I don't think they're enough held to account by the nation state. Tom, what do you think? I think probably nearly all the free speech laws that exist. I do think free speech laws have to evolve over time. You can't have like an absolutionist free speech because, you know, um, things change. Society's change. You know, you used to be able to say things in America about black people that you, you couldn't say now. And that's a good thing. You know, um, and the platforms change. Yeah. And, and I think the platforms and how social media dominates most people's lives is the biggest problem because there is always uh, this dynamic where technology outpaces 
like you know how laws work right and uh you know like we see this with like drones right like drone technology has come very very far there's no laws that really govern drones and then they're trying to use laws that exist for like helicopters to be like maybe that kind of works for a drone it will take them 10 years to catch up and and with free speech you know in some ways i'm all, i believe very strongly in free speech because you should traditionally when you lived in a town most people in the world live in a small town or a village right and they don't have a lot of contact with people outside of that space this is how for most of all of human history humans have lived and if you were the one guy in your village that like said wacky shit all of the time <laughs> people will just ostracize you or they won't talk to you and you either then adjust or your burn you or hang you yeah or, or they <laughs> so you are either forced to adjust your speech to what is appropriate for your group or you choose to be separate from that group. Um, and that's just all of society. And that means you kind of don't need laws because the society uh, governs itself. You can say what you want, but there are consequences because people then don't want to be around you or will physically or, or you know culturally punish you for it. Or you can say what you want and you're the weird guy that lives at the end of the street that everyone says, don't go near that guy at the end of the street. You know, parents, you know, when they see him in the pub, walk away from him. You know, that's how for most of human history it is. Social media has exploded that by like forcing us all in together. And all of those individual weirdos from all the villages in the world can now speak to each other and get a false impression that that is a way that you should think. Like, and that is an appropriate or, you know, a reasonable way to think when actually it is not, you know, and... Yeah, but who says it's not? Who defines weird? Well, who the, says what's the right and wrong thing to say? They're like the ever-shifting, but like always there, like cultural consensus. Yeah, because and there always is a cultural consensus that moves and changes, and there have been. But is there very, now? Because we're so politically extreme. Yeah, and that's because is there an argument that this whole free speech debate has been perpetuated by overly woke, overly entitled? Overly, I'm a professional at being offended type of individual. Um, maybe. I, I think a big part of it is that everyone is like forced together all of the time. Yeah. Because before social media, if you had a certain set of views, you would go and live in a town that had a, a mayor of those views. Or, or if you're in America, you'd live in a, a red state or a blue state. And people just geographically grouped with people that they felt with. So if you were someone who was uh, very right wing and you're triggered by the libs or if you're very liberal and you're triggered by conservatives like guess what you just never came into contact with them because like you lived somewhere that fitted yeah. where you lived except now everyone is smashed together into these you know single you know uh, monolithic places where you're forced to see the views and opinions of the people you disagree with all of the time and it heightens your your reaction to it and and people have um you know it's not good for you. It's not good to see that all the time. Like, you know, that isn't how humans have, have designed, have become to live, you know. And I think there's a lot of problems, like you've said, where these platforms grew and they became so big so fast that for most small businesses, it is essential that they use platforms like Facebook and Instagram to reach an audience. And then they're like beholden to that platform. And the fact that there aren't any other options often makes to a small business Facebook a much bigger part of their life than the government mm. or you know any of that stuff you know Facebook's policies and algorithms affect you know most businesses far more than a government regulation or a government mm. law and that is a problem mm. if you believe 
that should be a problem. Whereas there are lots of people who, of course, are maybe, you know, I guess, again, capitalist absolutionists that would say, like, that's just the market at work. Facebook is the best product. It was first, it was biggest, and they get everything they deserve. Yeah, because when it's time to disrupt or be disrupted, you get Rumble and Getter and and TikTok. Exactly, and people would say, if it wasn't the best, people wouldn't use it. Now, there are problems with growing these network platforms because they're only good if lots of people use them, so it's always hard to start a new one. Um, But you then get into, you know, how do you regulate them? How do you, you know... Uh, control them or force them to do other things? Do you create, you know, deliberate competition? And that is where you then start to come up against the wall of actually being the very opposite of the direction politically that the most people that uh, are unhappy with those platforms are, where they want less regulation, you know, like more freedoms. It's the opposite is what they end up asking for. Mm. And that's where, as I said, there's a big conflict at the kind of heart of their belief system which is you know do what you want be free to do what i want but make facebook give me my reach please you know (laughs) (laughs) harry what you got for us what surprised you about katie what surprised me about katie round one and round two is i don't think she's that commercially aware of the consequences of what she says because you said that you think she knows what she's doing and she's monetizing controversy but I think she's pushed controversy to the point where it's actually demonetizing her. And I think she's not as commercially aware as what I perceive maybe I might be in that situation. Do you remember when we interviewed her the first time and I said, you should have your own podcast. It's completely decentralized. You can say what you want. You could really monetize that and build a great audience. Then almost immediately after that, she got canceled off everything and had no reach and went into the freaking abyss. And she was like, why would I bother doing podcasts? And I don't know that she's monetizing that well. Because, I mean, she, she might be. And, you know, she can tell me if she is. But how do you monetize YouTube when you're not on it? How do you monetize podcasting when you don't have a podcast? So what's she doing? Maybe she's getting the, the odd paid gig. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you remember in the first episode, by the way, if you didn't watch the first one, you should watch it because it's in, an interesting um, bridge. But she basically couldn't stop herself talking, even though she was getting sued and sued and sued. <laughs> she lost her house. She lost everything. But she couldn't stop talking. And she even admitted it. And then she even said, well, look, I've got half my brain sliced off because, you know, I'm I'm epileptic and I had this operation almost, well, more than insinuating that there's some physical element of her brain that also... And I said to her, what are you doing? Why didn't you just stop at that point? Because I think we've seen a bit more toning down of Andrew Tate. I think he's policing himself a bit more now because he's found the line, he's crossed it, he's been... You know, he made out, oh, this didn't hurt me. And blah, blah, blah. It fucked him. Of course it did. Getting cancelled fucks you. Yeah, no, it's, if anyone says, oh, it didn't hurt me, bullshit. Um, so I don't think she's commercial with it. And I don't, I think you only know the line when you hit it or you cross it. But as soon as you hit it and you cross it and you lose money, you can come back a step and build it up again. So that happened to us with David Icke. Because Tom's always saying, don't fucking interview David Icke again. <laughs> Harry's like, let's do David Icke every week. <laughs> Um, and we interviewed him and it fucking blew up. And it tens of thousands of followers, tens of thousands of pounds. And there was an internal mistake, um, which he has another opinion about, but that's not for this show. And um, our account got really punished and it got hurt for months. It really hurt us. So we put our um, phalluses back in our trousers. 
we humbled ourselves and ate some humble pie and we built the thing back up again. We didn't go, fuck you, I'm going to do David like every week. We had commercial awareness that we'd stepped over the line. And was it fair? No, we didn't think so. But it's there. so that's where, that's what I fundamentally think Katie's getting wrong. So there were lots of provocative moments in this that I know is going to trigger a lot of people. Well, hit me up with some. What were they specifically? Well, let's start uh, with her exposing Sadiq Khan, saying he has a small cock. What, what do you think about that then? Well, the thing with Katie Hopkins is I think she wants to be a comedian. Well, I know she does because she sort of said she's doing stand-up. So I'm not speaking out of turn here. So the problem is she's taking comedy into politics instead of bringing politics into comedy. And so people don't find it that funny. Whereas if she was just a comedian and that's how we knew her, they'd find it funny. And, and I got this revelation watching her. So, you know, when she stood up and started walking around the big trucker's testicles and she pulled a deported oh, yeah. tattoo yeah. in her ass and basically mooned to you and I. I'm thinking, I think most people, I think the people who don't find this funny is because they see you as so politically extreme. But if you were a comedian, they might find it funny. So this is where I think that she's slightly got it wrong if she wants to be perceived differently she might not give a fuck or, or it was a revelation I got what was your question I can't remember your question oh about Sadiq Khan's yeah, yeah just about Katie being provocative yeah well look I think she was trying to be funny in a political environment instead of a comedic environment because if she said that at a comedy gig and she's there because everyone wants to come to be amused and she was doing this with her cavernous <laughs> vagina and his small penis Probably would have been quite funny. I've never heard you talk about a cavernous vagina before. That was a new one for the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if I've ever said it since university. <laughs> um, and that would have been near 25 years ago. But the point is, it was just a bit of a pushback at her because, you know, she was doing this visual <laughs> representation of Sadiq Khan's penis, whereby she was essentially having a vagina like that and a penis like that, and you know, quite a lot of room and doesn't touch the sides, but there's a small penis or there's a large vagina in that equation. And I just pointed out that it might not be a small penis, it might be her large vagina. You know, seven years ago when you started this podcast, do you think you'd be doing that? <laughs> no, and I fucking love it. I love it. You know, we did business podcasts for years and they're great. And in the end, what else can you talk about in business? But in this world, you can go fucking everywhere, which is why I love the, the concept of disruptors and not just disruptive entrepreneurs. I think there's a good point there, though, which is that she is kind of inherently unserious, which is actually a pretty big uh, drawback for her in the things that could make her successful. Because like being a journalist, for example. Yeah, like if she wanted to be a, a right-wing journalist or a right-wing politician or, you know, someone that's involved in, you know, policy making or think tanks, like, you can't, she, she, she makes a point that might have some validity, and then undermines herself with a sick joke. And it, it actually harms her own ability to form kind of meaningful arguments. And, and like I said, like, there is something at the core of a lot of what she says, people, lots of people feel very strongly about immigration and that's a real problem you have to understand 
And every time she might get close to making a real serious point, she'll make some awful joke, comment, snide remark about a person or people or their looks or their smell or whatever. And it undermines any ability for her to actually cut through and, and make some meaningful points. So I think Let me know, ask you this talking question. through it, it's quite interesting. Yeah, I've got a question for you both. Because she said something about Jordan Peterson I've never heard before. And she likes him, his intellect, but she said, the problem I have with Jordan Peterson is, you know, on a lot of interviews, he just starts crying and he's very emotional. And if that was a woman, no one would like her. So if Katie Hopkins was a male, would she have so much hate and attacking? What do you think? Uh, Harry first. He just, he just sits in the middle. He doesn't, you know, <laughs> no, you're not allowed to sit in the middle. If Katie Hopkins was male, would she be hated as much? impossible to tell i understand her point of view and it's an interesting point that she brought uh, up about uh, jordan peterson obviously jordan peterson has been uh, portrayed as the messiah and the savior of lost young yeah. males um, and an intellectual yeah and her point is if that was a woman she'd be broken and weak that was her point what do you think like i said impossible to tell no but... it's not get off the fence this is the fence here get off it <laughs> Uh, I understand her point. I don't know if I necessarily agree with it. Look, I'm sure there'd be um, loads of other type of women who are possibly doing the similar type of things who won't be portrayed as weak. Um, look, we're interviewing... Oh, I forgot her name. Um, she runs the school. Catherine Burble, Yeah, she's a very um, stoic and, and perceived to be a strong woman. She's known as the uh, strictest head teacher in Britain, in the world. So it'll be kind of interesting to see, once we've had a conversation with her, how it goes. But again, my outside portrayal of her is that she's seen as very, very strong and someone who can command authority. So I wouldn't necessarily agree that because she's a woman, she's, um, she'd be seen as weak or any other. If Jordan Peterson was a woman, he'd be seen as weak. Because they're you know, stronger women. Uh, I, if Katie Hopkins was a man. Yeah, I, I actually, uh, I would agree because I think that, you know, much as people would disagree or even say the opposite, like there is still unconscious cultural bias that is different for men and women. And like, I think a woman that was constantly breaking down would be treated differently to a man that was constantly breaking down. Maybe not as drastically as it used to be, but I think, you know, Jordan Peterson does it and um, you can cut this because I know we're trying to get Jordan Peterson again on the show. No, let's not cut <laughs> like, it. No, let's not cut it. I think he's pretty pathetic nowadays. Um, I think, way. I mean, you know, he got himself addicted to, you know, met, uh, drugs. And, he, you know, he talks about strong will. And he had to, he could, he had to fly himself to Russia and be put in a coma to get off it. Like, how is he a paragon of strong will when he couldn't even kick a drug addiction, let alone get one in the first place? And now he just weeps about religion constantly. I think the guy's pretty pathetic nowadays. I think he's fallen a long way from someone that had like a meaningful and reasonable opinion on how you can like improve your life from the inside out. But I agree. I think if, if Jordan Peterson was a woman, there'd be far more blokes going, oh, look, another woman crying than there are blokes saying, oh, Jordan Peterson, how great it is that he's open about crying. And I think, you know, I think that's true. I also want to say, and no one said this, and I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say this. But I've been listening a few years ago to both Jordan Peterson and Michaela Peterson highly advocating and promoting only eating meat. 
as a way to a, a revelation of amazing health and well-being only eating meat. And I remember hearing that thinking, that's fucking dangerous. Like, let's just think about common sense. You need vegetables, <laughs> potatoes. Yeah, yeah. You need meat. You need fish. You need a balanced diet. And any extreme of one could give some short... The reason these diets give short-term benefit is because you're cutting out a load of toxic stuff you used to eat. So you get an initial benefit. By the way, I am a doctor. I'm a common censor. Because Tony Robbins, this always used to piss me off about him. I love Tony Robbins. And I quite like Jordan Peterson. But I'm going to speak out and what piss me off. Tony Robbins would go on for decades um, about never eating meat and only eating fish. And I'm thinking, hmm, if you only eat fish for 30 years, I wonder if there's some issue there. And he nearly fucking died of mercury poisoning. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Because he ate fish three times a day for 30 years. And I'm like, you fucking idiot. Of course. So, you know, two very influential people, Jordan Peterson and Michaela um, Peterson, now changed her name to a married name, going on fucking Joe Rogan and massive shows saying only eating meat and nothing else is the way. It's not. Yeah, I mean... It's not. Balanced <laughs> diet, balanced information, balanced discussion. Bal Surely that's common sense, is it not? I agree. I mean, look at Liver King. Look at how he's been exposed. <laughs> you know, guys taking 15 grand of steroids uh, a month to stay that size and, you know, pretends that, like, eating raw liver is what cavemen did. Cavemen rarely ate any meat because it took them a fucking month to hunt a deer and it was yeah, a special thing. They're they were eating, yeah. eating seeds and berries off the yeah. ground. Like, you know, and... The Liver King and, and maybe... And I bet you they cooked it as well, even if yeah, they did it. of course, what yeah. Are they <laughs> but, you know, I think there's a concept that has come to my attention recently, which I think maybe warrants its own, own video at some point, which is, like, we are living in the golden age of scammers. Like, look at, like, FTX. The world, world pulled over its eyes by, like, what turns out to have been the most obvious fucking scam in the world. Like, they, they had spreadsheets. They didn't even have bank accounts for their, their people's money. When you bought stuff from FTX, they just, like, went, yeah, uh, we'll put that in a, in a spreadsheet, and we never actually bought the money. Like, look at Liver King, like, a $100 million business, scam. Yeah, like, FTX, lying. scam. Yeah. Crypto, scam. Like, we are in the golden age of scammers, and it comes from social media. Yeah. Everyone's smashed together. There is, you know, like crazy information being pushed everywhere and everyone is looking for their life to be better be it monetarily through you know investing be it health through eating everyone wants their life to be better and um and looking at really bad ways of doing it a lot of the time and you know yeah, yeah the golden age of grifters is where we live right now <laughs> and every every idol is being torn down and so it should be what else you got for us harry so Katie says she has a fear of fat people. She called them chumbawambas. And she even said to you when you walked in within the first 30 seconds, oh, you've put on a bit of weight. What is your opinion on Katie Hopkins' obsession with weight? Um, I was the most overweight kid in my year for three years in a row, as you know, and unfortunately is now out there. Um, and so I feel the emotional pain of what I perceive to be brutal criticism of overweight people. But I'm probably quite sensitive because it was an area of pain for me. 
I also mentioned on the show the irony that actually what made me lose the weight was that pain and shame, not the people who were nice to me and kind to me. And So I'm a bit torn on that one. I think her language is crass when it comes to overweight people. And um, I don't, I, what I don't like in humans is elitism. So, you know, I like Andrew Tate, but I don't really like losers and brokies because I was a brokey and now I'm not. And just because you're broke doesn't mean you're a lower human being. It just means you haven't mastered money yet, but I bet you can teach me some shit. And I try my best not to be elitist. And maybe that holds me back sometimes because maybe I should be puffing myself up to be bigger than I am. I don't like that. So when you really de-pedestalize and put down an individual or a group, I don't like it. And I don't think I do it much, if ever. Although I did do it about Harry and Meghan this morning because I think their behavior is disgusting. But that's behavior. I'm not, I'm not attacking Harry as a person and I'm not attacking Meghan as a person. I'm attacking what they're doing and saying and I think that's different. So if you get in someone's face about being overweight by their behavior, fine. But for who they are, wrong. That's, that's my stance. Tom? Uh, I mean, I probably think it's more of like a, an act. You know, it's part of her. You know, normally someone who is so obsessed about something, there's, probably, there's normally some deep internal reason, you know, when people have, uh, have obsessions or aversions. Um, and it feels like it's part of her kind of, oh, you know, this will get a, a rise. And I'm sure you guys reacted when she said that, right? You know, she got what she she craves and needs, which is a rise out of people by saying something, you know. Uh, fundamentally, like, you know, like, does it affect you if someone else is fat? Not really. Does it affect me if someone smokes next to me and I have to breathe that in? Yes. And I'll tell them I don't like that. Please don't do it. But like, if there's like, you know, a fat person maybe like does it have any material effect on me not really you know um so i just think it's another one of those things where she's just punching down you know she, you know she could just as easily be fat as she is thin you know just yeah mm. is she misunderstood no i don't think so not much i think a lot of people in the public eye especially those that are cancelled and controversial i wouldn't necessarily say they're misunderstood i would say they're not fully understood which i think is different Misunderstood is an assumption about them. Not fully understood is not knowing enough or as much about them. And I think they're different because misunderstanding is often a misperception or a prejudgment. But actually, um, certainly if you watch the two interviews we've done with her, I think it's pretty clear what she's like. And I think she's pretty unapologetic about it. And so in that regard, I, I, no, I don't really think she is misunderstood. The only thing I like to do is to get to know the human. And even with all these, should we call it, um, gamesmanship around going to these controversial subjects and being brutal, behind all of that, there's still a human. And so I probably get to know people and myself with people that others wouldn't. But I'm intrigued to know the human. Because are you judging from your ivory tower any better? Do you know what they've gone through? Do you really understand them? Now, I can understand when race and religion come in, because obviously they are about identity. And when you go to identity, that there's a lot of pain there. And I, I, I do get that. If someone has been racist or homophobic or, um, you know, attacked a religion, I can see why someone doesn't even care what they're like. 
I get that. But still, for me, they're a human. And um, so, no, I don't think she's really misunderstood. She's been labelled as a far-right extremist. And a name that came up in your conversation with Katie was Tommy Robinson, someone who, again, has been labelled as an extreme uh, right-wing person. So would you have Tommy on the show? Would you speak to people like that? Let's t- let Tom answer that. Is Katie a far-right extremist? What do you think about far-right extremists? Is she a female Tommy Robinson? And would we have Tommy Robinson on the show? Um, so... Breaking that down, you know, I think there is there is lines of, you know, like Tommy Robinson has been like convicted of some pretty serious things and has been associated with, you know, specific groups that like have done and have planned to do real violence against actual people. And I think there is a line there where of of both like taste and appropriateness where, you know, you can say like, First of all, like what value slash entertainment are we going to bring from from interviewing someone like Tommy Robinson? And then, you know, is there any reason we would want to do that? You know, there has got to be a line somewhere of of taste and appropriateness. Do I think Katie Hopkins is a far right extremist? Um, I think she parrots and shares views in that ballpark. But she is more of a, of a clown or, or a jester to that group than someone that's actually trying to like organize people on the streets to partake in violent protests, um, to to you know organize movements and in the way that like someone like Tommy Robinson has. So like I don't think Katie Hopkins is is a, she says some awful stuff. She's not a threat to anyone because she's a joke. Like you know um, Tommy Robinson has done and been involved in some very serious, meaningfully threatening and violent things. And I think there would be a line between those two, even if on the face of it they share similar views. Mm. So, no, we've declined having Tommy Robinson on the show, and I wouldn't, with the caveat exception, that I'd go brutally hard on him, questioning all the things that he does. And that's not really my style, as you know. We've got better at creating a bit of, um, being a bit harder, I suppose, we've got better at, but the only way I'd ever do anything like that is basically trying to get to the bottom of all the wrongs and they're wrong and why. And that would be the only exception, probably. Anyway, you, Harry, would you have Tommy Robinson on the show? (laughs) No. Really? No, I get... This guy loves the controversy. (laughs) Um, more than this guy and a lot more than this I guy. Do. I love the controversy. Embrace it, no retreat, no surrender. You know my stuff with it. But we've got to win at it. I don't know how we win at that interview. You said you've got to be brutal. You've got to go hard. You've got to really expose some things. And look, you wrestle a pig. You both get covered in shit, but the pig likes the shit. I just don't see how we win no. from that, if I'm being honest. And, and we need to be careful of avoiding the addiction of going too far away from this concept. And I'm mindful of that. I'm like, oh, this could shake things up. But if it's too far away from this, because a disruptor is not a criminal. (laughs) And a criminal is not a disruptor. So, yeah. So there is a line for us. Absolutely. Yeah. Any regrets? 
With, your, uh, uh, with Katie yeah. or with life or with the show? <laughs> with your conversation with Katie the second time round, were there any regrets? I'm not really a purveyor of regret. I don't know why I said when I look in the mirror naked, I like my face and my penis. <laughs> <laughs> it is the truth. It's about the only two parts of my body I like. But I don't really know why I said it. <laughs> but I said to you afterwards, don't edit it out. Let's be real. That? So that was a bit of a weird one. Why um, did you say that? Because it was the truth. And I, I don't really have a filter, as you know. I, I mean, do. you know me as well, well as anyone with all of our road trips and the behind-the-scenes stuff. And I, I think I should embrace that about myself. One day I could be the very cancelled person we speak of. <laughs> um, but for me, authenticity is speaking my perception of truth, because I can't say truth, because it's your perception of truth. So I just had a mastermind with some of my top level clients and trainers and I told them shit that works in the real world that you probably couldn't say on social media. That's me. So no, no regrets, but it's just a bit of a weird one. Um, yeah. Right, let's wrap this motherfucker up. So this conversation goes live tomorrow on YouTube, on the podcast. So Rob, imminently, what's coming up on the show? What's there to look forward to coming into the new year and for the rest of this year? The difficulty with this is when we agree guests, it's done, but it's not always done. So if I say a guest, but then it may not happen, I sort of stopped, but I can't help myself, so fuck it. <laughs> um, we've got agreement with Mark Zuckerberg, but you know I, I'm not saying that's going to happen anytime soon, but we've got agreement. We've got agreement with Jordan Peterson, but that was a long time ago. And we've got an agreement with Ben Shapiro. We've got agreement with Jamie Carragher. Um, we've got some mega guests. Um, and actually, I could list another 20 that we've got agreement from. But um, watch this space. That's all I can say.